Season 2, Episode 5, Preview Episode of Week 2. I'm your host, Isaiah Markle, with my co-host, Phil Snow, the Stats Guy. I am the Snowman, and just remember that stats are cool. Indeed they are. And also, I'm here with the Captain, Captain Cademan. The Captain is in the building, folks. So, uh... Phil, we had some pretty interesting games, and one that probably is going to be the highlight, possibly the highlight of the year on Riley Weaver's terms. Yeah, uh, Lima Bath with an absolutely fantastic win. Uh, you know, you, you get that game at home after a tough 0-10 season last year. Um, obviously, uh, you know, pretty pretty amped up for that game. You talk about who you bring in, defending state champions uh, in New Bremen, and uh, Lima Bath defensively obviously met rise to the challenge um, very very physical up front I, I was reading a lot about this game it was a very physical game up front and uh, both of these teams obviously really wanted it 14-7 man Kate I'll tell you what that probably would have been a whale of a ball game to be at oh for sure it was awesome for Lima Bath's new head coach to get off on a good foot in his first win of the year against the de- defending division seven state champs what awesome win for the Bath community, too, hasn't had a lot of success the past couple of years. Yeah, and you know what? There was a uh, probably five or six coaches, Isaiah, I think, that were starting at new programs. Uh, you talk about Maumee's head coach, yep. able to get his first win. I do believe Lima Sr.'s head coach as well. Um, obviously, we don't cover them, but Lima Sr.'s head coach also recorded his first win um, as a head coach. So, uh, you know, you love to see those guys. Uh, you talk about um, – Barry Bach as well from Evergreen, mm-hmm. uh, an absolutely fantastic the win. Up in the regional of the regional game, and, of, and, and what was probably rules. the easily the toughest region uh, Division Five Region Eight teams in a season, Region Eighteen a season ago, um, arguably one of the toughest, if not the toughest. Obviously, when you're talking about the Division Two, the likes of uh, Central Catholic and teams like that, obviously pretty, you know, different story. But as far as Division Five goes, Region Eighteen was definitely the powerhouse, and Elmwood gave. Liberty Center, everything they can handle last year. You know, 15-plus seniors on that squad. Lost a lot to graduation. Evergreen was fired up and ready to play, and they uh, they definitely made it count. Um, uh, the Vaculet kid, uh, you know, shout-out to Lynn Grohl. Uh, you know, he, he told us that Evergreen was going to be Vikes. ready to play to watch the Vikings, that the Vaculet kid and, and Riley Dunbar really on the outside did a really nice job with making guys miss in space, just really had Elmwood on their heels all night, and that's just a, a really, really nice win for the Evergreen Vikings who haven't had a winning season since 2010, guys. Yeah, it's, it's been a very long time. Uh, so and a, lot, a lot of history to help, it, help uh, happen this week. Phil and so let's uh let's just start let's just start at the t- at the peak of the iceberg right now uh the the Antwerp Archers uh hosting the Mount Perry Locomotives Phil this one was not even close yeah it was pretty much what it was pretty much like we figured um you know Antwerp could kind of name their score on it a little bit uh you know didn't run it up too much do have a couple of stats for you guys to give out um Carson Ultimus <clears throat> starting right where he left off a season ago it was 14 of 16 through the air uh, with 288 yards passing and four touchdowns. Also added three carries for 40 yards and another touchdown on the ground. Um, Reed Leasty, you know, I told you about his size and strength. Uh, you know, not a big kid, but runs with a heart of a lion. Ten carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and then you talk about that man, the guy on the outside, Landon Brewer, had six catches for 166 yards and three touchdowns to lead the way for Antwerp. Um, defensively, it was kind of all spread out. Lots of tackles to be had there. Uh, Montpelier, not a whole lot of first downs. Didn't really move the ball well. Antwerp, kind of as we assume, guys, uh, really shut the door on that one off to a, a 1-0 start. Yeah, All right. Uh, then we head on over 
the Edgerton Bulldogs hosting the Eden Bombers. Phil, this was a close game, 28-26. Uh, something I um, I believe some of us were predicting that Eden uh, Eden might want to could have ran away with this one. Yeah, I had Eden winning 21-14 in this one. Um, you know, give a lot of credit to Edgerton. Eden was kind of dominating this game. Uh, most of the way through and then Edgerton kind of strung us a little bit of a roll there in the third quarter uh, got it to 20 to 14 and then uh, after that Eden put on a 10 minute 11 play drive or 13 play drive excuse me to to kind of help ice the door a little bit or uh, ice the game a little bit on that you know you talk about Eden you talk about uh, aerial threat passing quick scores uh, so be able to run the clock like they did late in the third quarter against a team like Edgerton who kind of likes to do that to their opponents yep. uh, kind of giving them a taste of their own medicine a, a really nice win for Eden uh, but you know if you're Edgerton uh, gotta like the positive that that you see a little bit there you know you got a lot of fight and heart in your squad obviously so mm-hmm. um, pretty good ball game there too guys I think it just proves that during those crosstown rivalry games you can't write a script of how it's gonna go absolutely you no, you really you can. can. That's the best part about all kinds yep. of rivalry games is anybody can do anything. It doesn't matter what the records and, you know, you can throw all that stuff aside when it comes to those kind of ball games. Uh, we head on over to Paulding. The, now, this was an eye-opener for, for, I would say, all of us here. Uh, Paulding running away with this game against the Bulldogs of Swan. 36 nothing shutout. Um, you know, congratulations to Paulding. Uh, like we talked about, just so much, just so much um, adversity a season ago. Uh, dealing what they had to deal with. Paulding got its first shutout since 2019, um, its first opening season win since 2020. Um, this is a really, really nice win for the Paulding Panthers, um, you know, who play a, a pretty tough um, non-league schedule. Cade, you got the board in front of you over there. Who does Paulding play? They got Swatton, Spencerville, and Spencerville. Jefferson. So, so Spencerville is a team in its own right that's battling for some, you know, a little bit of – uh, love as they've been kind of uh, left out of the picture for a while after having some good records, you know, talking about those non-competitive games they play. But um, yeah. holding with an absolutely great win. I had 14-7. I did not see 36. Um, it was close through the first two quarters. Uh, and then Paulding really just kind of shut the door on, on Swanton with whatever they were trying to do and, and was able to get some big plays. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned going against Spencerville and all. They got – they go on the road. Their last, their next two games, they're on the road going to Jefferson. Well, my bad, Spencerville and Jefferson, and they got a two-game homestand against the Pilots and Air eh, Pilots and Fairview, which is going to be uh, their two first games for the GMC League. So it'll be uh, an interesting be, first five. It'll be very interesting. It'll sure. be a very interesting games uh, for the Paulding Panthers. I just want uh, to say something before we move on for Paulding. Like, good for them to have some excitement. My understanding, talking to coach, they have some new kids out this year. Yeah, one of them was injured, but it looks like he'll be okay to come back next week. Just good to have some excitement around Paulding, who is historically a good football school. If you look back in the nineties, I think they had about they had almost had a state team that year. Yeah, so I mean I mean it's nice to see a program like this uh um build up the momentum that they they'll need that they'll need as they go. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, especially when again, you know, you you have a coach now that finally wants to be behind you in the school and, and wants to be there for the kids. And I think that was pretty evident with, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're playing and, you know, anything like that. A, 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 a victory in game one is big because mm-hmm. uh, you talk about it. The other half of the teams that played are 0-1. So, you know, you, you want to start off on the right track in that game one. And I think everybody would say the same thing on that. Absolutely. We uh, head on over to the Raiders. The Wayne Tracer Raiders being Fort Recovery and Phil. This was a game we were keeping an eye on all night. Yeah, this was a, a comeback win fashion for Wayne Trace. 
uh, a team that we said was going to be stingy all year. Fort Recovery uh, did get out to a pretty quick start. I think kind of uh, shocked Wayne Trace a little bit, if you will. But, um, you know, we had talked about Kyle Stoller and his ability at the quarterback position. Uh, he threw for over 200 yards, had three touchdowns. I think he added over 50 yards on the ground as well. Um, so he's able to do a lot of things with his athleticism and his height. I, I think he's about 6'4", uh, right around probably 200 pounds. So a nice physical kid when he gets out in the open space to be able to run the ball. And when you're talking about standing behind a pocket, he has vision and height to be able to make those throws. And, you know, you know, credit, credit excuse me, credit, Wayne Trace for coming back in this game, a game that I thought maybe they weren't going to win, you know, a little bit of shades of a year ago where they're just getting close. This is exactly the win, guys, that they needed, that they didn't get last year in some of those close games. This could be a turning point for Wayne Trace uh, to start into, to head into those last two off-seasons or off-league games before they start their GMC trail. Yeah, they, they head on over to Patrick Henry, which is going to be a, a one – a heck of a game to watch and keep an eye on on for next Friday for this coming Friday. It, th those two teams have a lot of potential and have a shot of a league title. Well, not only potential, Cade, but you talk about two teams that are trying to write their own story. You know, you look at PH last year, uh, had a lot of talent, had some injuries. You know, you, you come around, you look at him this year. Uh, Coach I's got those kids ready to go. He, he wants to get back to the way he wants to do things with the running game, and that was very evident when you hear Patrick Henry's numbers in the rushing game uh, against Hicksville on Friday night. But, Kate, I, I like these two teams. I think Wayne Trace, again, we talk about, what, five, six games a year ago where they could have a stone's throw away from, uh, you know, one play here and there could have turned the tide of their season. I love this this matchup. I think both these teams coming in at 1-0 just makes it a little bit more spicy. Oh, for sure. And I love the GMC and WOAL matchups have there. Wasn't the score last year between these teams like 12 nothing last year? Yes, it was 12 nothing. Patrick Henry, I believe. Yeah, Wayne Trace has got some new kids out. They're going to have a solid defense again. So I'm curious to see exactly what the game plan is going to be for Matt Holden. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, with, even with, with those two coaches. Coach I, legendary, known for coming up with unbelievable ways to stop teams. And you got Wayne Trace's very, very tough defense that mm -hmm. makes you grind down the field and makes you earn every single yard on every single play. So it's going to be a very fun game to keep an eye on. And it's going to be a very physical game. And you know, you look at you look at some of these scores, thirty-two to thirty. Um, you know, you looked at um, Patrick Henry's score, thirty-nine. Um, you know, this could come down, guys, to a mix, a missed extra point here and there, uh, a possible two-point conversion to win it. You know, that that could be the scenario uh, that we see over in Hamler next Friday. Absolutely. And we go on to the last game of the GMC. The Fairview Apaches uh, traveling over to Wasion, and uh, as expected, this game was this game. Uh, Wasion ran away with it. You know, um, Wasion just too much athleticism really on the outside for Fairview. That's kind of what it boiled down to. Um, Trey Parsons was 10 of 13 for 212 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, they were able to get some of their ground game going as well, which kind of put Fairview on their heels. And then you just able to use the speed uh, that they have on the outside. Obviously, Tyson Rodriguez had a, had, a, had a nice game as well. Austin Kovar had three rushing touchdowns for Wasion. Uh, they have another running back. I couldn't get his name, but um, had about 87 yards on the ground. And then when they get to the down to the goal line, Kovar's the guy they give it to. He's great defensively as well. He's a good linebacker. Um, just a, a tough kid, hard to bring down. Nose has a nose for the end zone, and uh, he found it three times in, uh, in a big win for Wasion over Fairview. Fairview is a very, very young team. Doug Rake's coming back. 
I kind of figured it was going to be a tough ass for him to take down Wasion, but they have a lot of talent in those younger grades. I'm a big fan of their quarterback, Zedike. As a freshman last year, he ran the ball extremely hard. I just look for Cash King to make a lot of plays this year, too. Their running back, Brett Grimes. Fairview fans, just stay patient. The talent is coming. I agree. And now we head on over to the NLL. Uh, first, the Buckeye division. We had the Anthony Wayne Generals traveling over to Hiller Darby. And Phil came down it came down to six points, but throughout the night, it seemed that Hiller Darby uh, was able to handle A.W. throughout the game. Well, you know, Isaiah, I think you mentioned it a little bit in our uh, in our game day episode that you had some doubts about Anthony Wayne's offense and uh, their consistency to be able to move the ball throughout mm-hmm. the game. And uh, that was really the difference in this ball game. Is in the first half they had nothing going offensively, just really had a hard time moving the ball at all against a stingy Hilliard Darby defense. And uh, Darby was able to get a couple of scores early. Had Anthony Rain, Anthony Wayne on the ropes, and Anthony Wayne had to crawl back, fight back. Uh, to their credit, did ended up losing 34 to 28, uh, but crawled back pretty nicely. And uh, you know, as far as things that you're looking forward to, if you're Anthony Wayne. Um, defense in the second half did a really nice job uh kept the game within reach for them and their offense to be able to find some things that worked for them in the second half to be able to get there uh, to be able to have to try to chance to win that game um so credit the generals they're gonna have another tough test against st john's next week uh st john's you know very you know tough loss um i, I can't remember who they played but i know it was a a tough i think it was dublin jerome actually and they lost 24 dublin to coughlin. nothing dublin coughlin sorry lost 24 to nothing uh, pretty good game in the first half again. Just St. John's struggled to move the ball offensively. I think Coughlin had two, three interceptions. Just uh, that could be an interesting game next week. But I think Anthony Wayne's going to right some wrongs here on offense and and be back ready to go next week. Yeah. So I mean, Anthony Wayne uh, playing Jesuit next week. Well, this my bad. This Friday, um, hosting Jesuit. So it's going. That's going to be a good game. I believe last year went that game went into overtime, didn't it? Well, I think Anthony Wayne's going to be fired up. Their fans are going to be fired up. Uh, you know, we talk about the hostility it's a, it's of that environment. Envi- so. It's a very hostile environment um, over there. Definitely, definitely a game to keep an eye on if you're Anthony Wayne fans. Uh, definitely going to try to right the ship there against St. John's. So uh, now we head on over to the Finley Trojans hosting the Division Two state champion, the Central Catholic Fighting Irish. And Phil, this Great ga- game in the first half, guys. Yes, Great game in the first sure. half. I think it was 21-14 to 14 at the half. A um, couple of really nice plays. A uh, couple from Central Catholic. It was weird. They actually had a fumble um, that no. bounced like 10 yards forward that they were able to pounce on next play. Guy jumped over the line of scrimmage for a touchdown. Um, Ryan Montgomery had a pretty nice ball game himself. Uh, they had a kid that ran a screen pass. He actually jumped up in the air, caught it one-handed, uh, and then made a couple guys miss and went about 40, 50 yards for a touchdown. So, um, you know, uh, Finley's obviously going to find some things that work for him. Uh, Toledo Central Catholic is – kind of in a league in their own right now and, yeah, and I to, think you've seen that and my, my takeaway though if you're you're able to hold the, the defending state champion to 14 points in the first half I think Philly has a lot of potential going into the going into the league play here so let me ask you a question Fire do away. you think the same thing about Tenora Tenora wise I believe, it's a it's a it's a fair question because it, yeah, you look at the scores yep. you say 21-14 against Finley and Toledo Central Catholic and then it was 15-14 to 14 over in Tenora at halftime and in a game where Tenora had kind of Liberty Centers on their heel a little bit there in the first half. And, um, you know, what, what's say, your take on that? I would say it came down to halftime adjustments and all that. Um, obviously, both teams – No, I guess my question would be is if you're saying as 
Finley, hey, you have to be proud of what you did in the first half. Are you saying, as Tenora, hey, you have to be proud of what you did in the first half. Are you looking at this as a whole and saying, as a you whole. know, it, it's got to be four it's quarters. It's got to be as a whole, as four quarters. Like, you did a, j- a phenomenal job in the first half, but you need to keep that going going into the second half because that's where it really counts. And once you get down to the third to the fourth quarter, you got to dig deep and get those crucial stops and get points on the board. And I just think it's just where having that beef up front comes in handy. You just wear guys down and it makes guys tired. Yeah, Phil, I think you hit on a really good point. Liberty Center's depth definitely played a factor that second half. I mean, you can only keep it so much going when you got a team of Tenora who's got 45 kids compared to LC who's got 65. 68. 68. So, definitely played a factor. I think Tenora definitely played a great first half. I think eventually just came to Liberty did what Liberty did. And they run the ball hardcore down your throat. Sorry, I mean, change leagues. I just wanted to take on that. Yeah, you're totally totally fine. So... Uh, we head on over to Peberg hosting St. Francis de Sale. <laughs> and holy! This I, is about what I figured. This this is something that we were expecting to happen, Phil. Yeah, this is uh, interesting stats. Uh, a couple interesting things from this one. Uh, Perrysburg had, <clears throat> excuse me, Perrysburg had 21 first downs to St. Francis's five. Um, St. Francis did have 183 yards passing. Uh, stat of the game for me, um, St. Francis with 15 rushes for 19. 15 yards. Um, Perrysburg, 31 carries for 163 yards. Also added 182 through the air. Nick Oros had 15 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. Um, Josh Tackett's uh, taking over at the quarterback spot. Had a really, really nice first game. Was 12 of 14 for 155 yards. Also had four touchdowns in the air. Added a rushing touchdown as well. We talk about their big, big play guy on the outside. Gavin Fennekin, five receptions. Three touchdowns, 95 yards to go with that. So um, a kid that's really going to be tough to stop on the outside. That connection already looks like it's going to be hard uh, to contain this year, guys, even after just week one. Man, is there ever a year Perrysburg seems like they're down a little bit? I don't no, know, man. I don't and, think so. I mean, you would think maybe this would be yeah. the year, especially when you lose a guy like Connor Wallenzak, you know, the, the, yep. the amount of things that he brought to the table. I think Lynn mentioned a great point last week. His defense was just outstanding as a linebacker, and and obviously Perrysburg, you know, nice win there to get that to get going because Perrysburg's got a tough schedule, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, and so Perrysburg goes goes and travels over to Marysville, uh, who's coming off a twenty four seventeen win against New Albany. New Albany. Al- New Albany. Albany. Yeah, that. <laughs> so, words. Words. So it's going to be a very interesting game for that, Phil. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. So, all right. So we had so we had a rivalry game, Sylvania Northview against Sylvania Southview, and I believe they counted this. I think they counted it as a league game. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, Southview running away with this with a 34 nothing shutout, and well, my Mark May card did not turn out very well. You get for this revoked one. of your Mark May card <laughs> for next week. Um, yeah. So this was not good. Yeah, this was a. Uh... This was an interesting game. So, uh, Savinia South, you kind of had the reins uh, on this the whole game. It was uh, it was interesting. Uh, you know, the, the um, I, I can't think of what his name is, but the Savinia South, the quarterback, um, had a really, really nice game. I think he had two touchdowns on the ground, two in the air. Um, you know, you talk about a guy like Isaac Sexton, their running back, um, just really provides, you know, a lot offensively. Even if he doesn't get the ball, you, you really got to keep an eye out for him because you just – you know, you really never know where he's going to hurt you at. And, um, 
I think Sylvania Southview is going to be a really, really tough team to beat in this NOL division, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to shock some people, I think. Take Southview undefeated? No, I don't think undefeated. Ooh, I think they're no. going to run into some good teams there where they're going to struggle. They, but They got, they got uh, Finley. Uh, let's see. Week one, two, three, four. They got Finley week five, and then they got Anthony Wayne seven. Peberg, yeah, Peberg at – not, uh, eight, you know, nine, and then Whitmer at ten. And Whitmer at ten. Whitmer at ten. Ooh. So they got they had to run through Finley, Wayne. I know, oh my gosh, I'm, my bad. I was looking at the wrong one. I'm fired again. So I was, I was gonna they, say they play. Yeah, they play Finley. Uh, they open up their, I believe their league play. I'm not. So familiar. that's gonna be a tough win yeah, for Southeast. So I don't know about undefeated, but they're gonna yeah, compete. They play Finley, Peberg, and Whitmer, back to back to back. Tough. And then they run into Fremont Ross. I don't think Fremont Ross is that tough. I think Southview handled that one pretty well. But really, three three game so three game stretch though is pretty. That three game stretch could be as tough as anybody in the state. Yeah, but it's going to be a really tough. It's going to be tough. So Bold then, uh, Springfield uh, traveling over to Mommy, and like we said right at the beginning of the episode, Mommy making some history. Um. Well, uh, the thirty four game losing streak is officially over, fellas. Um. 27-20 win over Springfield. Coach Evan Karchner, uh, a Maumee alum guy himself, um, got to be feeling really, really good. Uh, pretty awesome. They ran for 221 yards as a team. Uh, you know, pretty impressive there to go in as an alumni. Uh, I heard the buzz was pretty awesome around Maumee on Friday night, a game that they felt like they could win and uh, obviously came out on top. Um, Keyshawn Midcalf had a couple of touchdown runs for Maumee and um, – Really cool stuff there to see that, guys. You know, you really like to see a program that struggled over the last few years, just really hasn't been able to get the talent and stuff they have going. Um, Really good win for them. And, you know, they got to turn around and play a tough game next week. So, Yeah, so uh, the Springfield Springfield goes on and play hosting Rodgers this coming Friday, Phil. And uh, I think this is a – I think this will be a game that Springfield will be able to bounce back on. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be uh, Rogers uh, coming off of a big loss to Elida, so it'll be interesting. So uh, the Whitmer Panthers uh, traveling over to the Olentangy Braves, and that can, and uh, Olentangy ran uh, not ran away, but they were able to pull away from Whitmer's grasp, uh, forty six thirty five. This one got me, guys. I didn't see. I didn't um, see. This I didn't one see coming, eighty to be points. I didn't see eighty points between the two teams being scored. I figured. Uh, 17, 14, 21, 12, you know, in that scoring range. Um, offenses, obviously, uh, we're lighting it up. Big plays here and there. So, um, good win for Olentangy. Whitmer obviously going to have to regroup. They have a really tough schedule, too, so they're going to have to regroup. And um, with some of the talent that they have over there, I'm sure that they'll be able to do that and come off and uh, bounce back in week two. Yeah, so Whitmer, uh, we like we were talking about before we started, they get to host the Division Two state champions in the Central Catholic Fighting Irish. So that's a tough, tough ask of week two. You know, you could start the year zero and two, Whitmer uh, going into your NLL play. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting on how that go how that transpires. Uh, we had an upset. In, well, I would say an upset. The Bowling Green Bobcats upsetting hosting the Otsego Knights, upsetting them forty four thirty one. Phil and. When we were keeping an eye on this game, uh, when we saw the, the score was close, we thought uh, Otsego was going to pull away and run away with it, given all the talent they have. But BG stuck with them throughout the night. 
Yeah, give a lot of credit to BG, uh, a game that I thought Otsego would, would have pretty handily. Um, BG was just able to get big play after big play. Uh, Devin Farley had a really incredible game for Otsego. I think he ran for 150, threw for 150. Uh, just a kid that's, you know, very, very talented. And um, credit BG, never really got down on themselves, fought back, uh, did everything they had to do to win the game. And, you know, if, if you're BG, that's a great start. Uh, a team in Otsego that went 6-4 and four last year, felt like they missed the playoffs, got gypped of the playoffs, actually. Uh, a, a team that brings back a ton, a ton of talent. Uh, and to be able to win at home uh, like that for BG is a huge win. And, guys, I'm telling you, we talked about this Cardinal division and how up for grabs it is. BG with a very, very confident week one win. I feel like they have to be thinking they can take this thing too. Absolutely. And uh, they get to travel on to Fostoria and play against the Redmen, who are coming off a victory against Van Buren 1914. So that's going to be a very interesting game there. Uh, the Clay Eagles hosting the Sandusky Blue Streaks, uh, winning with a nail-biter, 33-32 on an unbelievable play, Phil. Yeah, um, the quarterback from Clay was actually being drugged down, and he just kind of threw it up out there. That, you know, when they interviewed him after the game, he said he saw him out of the corner of his eye and just tried to get it up there, and uh, it fluttered up there and uh, ended up coming down to a wide receiver uh, for, for Clay, and they ended up scoring as time expired to tie it at 32, and uh, what probably could have been the most pressure extra point of that kid's life uh, <laughs> to be able to win the game on an extra point with no time on the clock. Um what a heck of a ball game! Sandusky was uh, leading that game for most of the for most of the way, and Clay to be able to come back and uh, take that final drive down there, and, and to be able to score like that, huge win. When you're talking about the buzz of things going around Oregon, you know, Coach uh, Lynn kind of said that there was a big buzz going around there. They had a lot of athletes. You saw that on Friday night. I believe I remember going to the NL when the Black Swan did their NLL uh, preview show. Uh, they have 37 freshmen. Clay? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, wow. and so when I heard that, I uh, uh, my cousin was, was sitting with me, and I and when I heard that, I was like, did he just say 37 freshmen? He's like, yeah. I'm like, wow. If, the, if those if they stick together, Clay's going to be a team to be reckoned with. It's definitely the, a lot of excitement years. for Clay oh. for sure. Yeah. So and it's the coolest scoreboard I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, they do got a pretty cool scoreboard. That's pretty cool looking. So and uh, Clay will get to travel over to Sylvania Northview, coming off a big loss. And Phil, I think the, I think there's going to be a very. I think Clay might run away with this one here. I agree. I agree so. too. All right, so we got the Fremont Ross Little Giants uh, playing against uh, hosting Colombian Tornadoes, and uh, Colombian got they got the revenge from last season. Yeah, I think I kind of called this one. I figured Colombian was just going to be a little bit too physical uh, for Fremont Ross, and that's kind of what the story of the game was: forty-two to fourteen victory for Tiffin Colombian. Um, I think they're going to have a good season. Like I said, Fremont Ross lost their quarterback last year. Going to have to find some. Uh, some way to get some offense going, and they might struggle for the first couple games. Um, so, a good win for Tiff and Columbian. Um, we'll see what Fremont does. Fremont Ross does to bounce back in week two. Yep, they'll so. be playing the Sandusky Blue Streaks. So that's going to be that could be an interesting game. All right, so we go on over to uh, the River Rock rivalry that I played on Thursday here, Phil. <coughs> and I tell you, I first half they. Napoleon played good, but in the second half, the wheels just fell off, losing 38-13 to the Dogs. Yeah, it was actually about with three minutes to go in the third quarter is when everything kind of started falling apart. Uh, 
you know, Defiance had got a big punt return, um, set them up in good field position. They were able to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion to go up 8-7, and that's kind of the start of all the dominoes falling over for Napoleon as Defiance was able to get three touchdowns and three two-point conversions all in a two-and-a-half-minute span, uh, turnovers, um, I think a month kickoff, just all kinds of mistakes that you don't want to happen. Um, it was kind of like quicksand. It was just just kept keep pulling them under. Uh, you got a guy like Brogan Castillo who can do the things that he can do, uh, wearing you down defensively. Uh, 28 carries for 193 yards and three touchdowns, just under seven yards per carry. Um, uh, 6.3 yards per carry as a team. Napoleon, 30 carries for negative six net yards. Uh, a lot of sacks obviously involved in that. Um, 13 of 20 through the air. Or Owen Espinosa was 12 of 18 through the air for 162 yards and two interceptions. Um, Trey Rubenstein for Napoleon, nine catches, 138 yards and a touchdown. Henry Eggers had seven tackles. Uh, question mark for me. Uh, defiance through the air, three of fourteen for twenty-five yards. Um, not going to be able there to depend. There was a lot of balls that were that were catchable. The receivers just they just went just went through their hands, and uh, that's something that Coach Cooper was absolutely not really happy about throughout the game. Well, and I'm sure, especially when you're trying to drive, and especially in that first half, uh, you know, credit Napoleon. They had an 18-play drive to start the game. I think uh, Owen Espinosa was seven of seven on the first drive. You know, I think Napoleon did a good job keeping Defiance on their heels that first drive. And, you know, Defiance was just able to make some adjustments and uh, was able to pull away from that game. And I think two of the biggest reasons for this um, are Anthony Wilder. Uh, he was the one that had the big punt return. He also had a 30-plus yard touchdown run on a sweep, jet sweep type play. Mm -hmm. A kid that's just special in the open field. And then you talk about defensively, Garrett Rodenberger, who just had a fantastic ball game. A couple of goal line stops, tackles just from his safety spot, running through the line, blowing guys up. Uh, he also had an interception that he returned for about 41 yards to set up defiance in a really, really good field position. I think I a touchdown was, two plays a, later. It was a, I think it was first and goal on the five or something like and that. I think two plays later, Castillo rumbled it in for another touchdown. And, you know, if, if, if they have some guys like that that can provide them spark plays, they're going to be tough. Uh, 37 carries for 232 yards for Defiance. So uh, they scored 24 points in the third quarter. Um, you know, just uh, it, and that was all just within a, a very, very short span, guys. It was yeah, within a two-minute span, and and it just shows the it, it just kind of shows you what happens in these rivalry games, guys. You can't. There's no script, uh, and there's just no plan. You kind of just got to go at it with what you're going to go at it. And uh, credit Defiance, uh, they were they were a little bit tougher, and they were a little bit more adversity dealt, and. Uh, you know, credit Defiance for winning that third straight Rebel Rock rivalry game. Which and, is the uh, first time in, since the early 2000s. And uh, Coach oh. Cooper uh, obviously starting things out on the right track this year after, after finishing the year on a very positive note for the Defiance Bulldogs. So, yeah, uh, good win there. Just a note from the from the first the first drive of the third quarter, Napoleon tried to throw some hocus-pocus with a double a just-sweep mm. double pass. Rubenstein threw an interception and on threw that play. Threw an interception. And Defiance drives down inside the ten and stalls out, and that and the and then obviously um, they the Defiance defense uh, stuck them and uh, forced the forced the punt, and that resulted and into the snowball that became the 38-13 win. 
Yeah, and uh, like I said, you know, credit Defiance uh, stuck with it for two quarters. Really, just had nothing going offensively. It was uh, a really Brogan good Castillo, Brogan Castillo was kind of getting anything he wanted in the first half, and then they would come into a third down play and unable to complete a pass to move the change. I think was really the story of the first half. You guys talked about it a little bit. Not able to catch some of those uh, balls that they thought that they should have been caught, but. Um, like I said, nevertheless, credit Defiance for really sticking in there through, you know, two and a half quarters, uh, taking some of their licks, accepting some of their mistakes, and then coming back in the second half and righting those wrongs for a victory. Absolutely. And they get to host the Walpock Redskins, the defending uh-huh. league champions. So that's going to be – And a, they're mad. Oh, and we'll get to them. And that's go, it's going to be a interesting, very interesting game for that one. <clears throat> So we go on to basically, I would like to say, the highlight of the night, Lima Bath beating the Division Seven state champions, Phil. And we, like we said, we mentioned this earlier um, at the beginning of the episode. Unbelievable. Like, uh, that's all I got to say. Unbelievable. Lima Bath coming off an 0-10 season, bouncing back this season, beating the Division Seven champions. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what New Bremen lost a season ago. I'm not sure what kind of talent they graduated as far as those numbers go. Um, but throw that out the window. Uh, you talk about 0 and 10. Uh, New Bremen, I think, lost two games last year. One of them being to Marion Local. The other being to Coldwater, if I'm not mistaken. Um, two losses that are you know pretty crazy as far as I'm concerned. And to be able to come back and play at home. And uh, in front of, you know, I'm sure it probably wasn't a huge crowd because I'm sure everybody thought the same thing. Uh, 30 plus point underdogs, uh, according to the OHSAA site. And it's just um, heck of a win for Lima Bath and that uh, the new era of the coaching down there. So Yeah, and Lynn did say there was a lot of buzz going on over at Lima Bath. So big win there. And so Bath will go on and they will be traveling over to Cougar Nation, the Van Wert Cougars. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting. All right, we go on over to Salina, traveling over to Versailles, losing in a blank shutout, 26 nothing. Yeah, one of the few shutouts that we had on our list. Not many guys. Uh, I think we had probably maybe four or five shutouts um, on our list, 26 nothing. This one surprised me a little bit. I thought Salina would be able to be able to score some points on Versailles, uh, just, able to, just unable to get any drives going. Uh, good win for Versailles, a team that always finds himself – you know, right in the uh, right in the middle of the MAC conference um, title, and uh, they're obviously improving. And you know, they think that they can be in the running of the MAC title this year with Coldwater being a little bit down. So, and Salina will be opening their league play, hosting St. Mary's Memorial. So let's see here. Okay, Elida uh, traveling over. Oh, my bad. Hosting the Roger. Uh, Rogers winning 42 to six, and that was an, that was a very unexpected game, Phil. Yeah, that's kind of what we saw coming. Alida pretty fired up, I'm sure, after last season. Rogers a little bit down this year, so good win for uh, the Bulldogs to get started on the right track. Yep, and Elida will be traveling over to Shawnee uh, for this <laughs> for this upcoming uh, upcoming Friday. Uh, we got Kenton travel uh, playing against uh, traveling over to Coldwater, losing 29 to 12, Phil. And th- uh, early on, it was a close game. Yeah, I think Kent was actually ahead seven nothing at one point. Um, six three, I believe. Six, whatever six, it was, yeah, they were ahead one, at one, one point. One of those two scores. And uh, you know, Coldwater had to figure some things out. I thought that this would happen uh, maybe in the first half. Uh, Coldwater, obviously, I had him pick fifty five nothing, but 
you know, I did think maybe the first quarter, first half, they would have to figure some things out. You lose a, you lose a guy like Marcel Blossom game, uh, a kid that provided so much um, talent for that offense. You lose a lot of offensive linemen. You know, we've seen them walk off together on the field last year, which I thought was really, really cool down there at Lima Senior. Mm-hmm. Um, they did lose a lot to graduation. Obviously have some good big play receivers in the Hallmark kid, and, you know, they're going to be able to do some things there. But um, – so, uh, I think Coldwater is going to have to figure some things out before they get into their MAC schedule because, man, as you guys know, the MAC is absolutely brutal. Yeah, and yes, uh, it, it doesn't get any easier for Coldwater. They get to play how Bella Fontaine. Bella Fontaine. That's the team I was telling you about, guys. Yep, this and, is what we talked about earlier. I want to mention that. Yep, and they try and they'll be hosting them, who's a Division Three Region Eleven team, and then it's it's going to get it's a hard schedule looking at uh, Coldwater. Yeah, just something really cool on Bella Fontaine. Um, they ended up winning 46-19 over Sydney on Friday night. Uh, junior Tavian St. Clair threw five touchdown passes to break the school's career touchdown passing record, uh, which is formerly held by their current offensive coordinator right now, and his name is Jake Kennedy. Um, and that is the team that Coldwater plays next Friday. And I believe, Cade, you said that he is an Ohio State commit. Yes, he is. So... Uh, pretty interesting stuff there. So we'll see about how how cold water and how tough they really are because Bellafontaine, a, a very good football team. Absolutely. And Kenton will be playing, will be hosting the a rising Ottawa Glandorf team that we'll be talking about very shortly. We got St. Mary's Memorial traveling over to St. Henry, uh, losing seventeen nothing there, Phil. Yeah, I mean I had seventeen to seven, but the other way around, so I was pretty close on the score. Uh, St. Henry did a nice job defensively, just never let uh, St. Mor- St. Mary's get anything rolling offensively. St. Henry did what they did, uh, long sustained drives, wore St. Mary's down, and uh, St. Henry was able to come away with a nice 17 to nothing win. And like I said earlier, St. Mary's will be traveling over to Salina for their, for their league opener. Uh, we got Ottawa Glandorf traveling over to Eastwood, losing a very close one, 21-18. Yeah, you know, this was a really good game a game that uh, OG had actually led most of the way through um, OG uh, pretty air dominant only had or pretty um, yeah pretty air dominant only had 42 uh, yards on the ground um, the big keys for me in this game guys were and I think if you asked OG or Eastwood probably could have been able to pull away in one of these game in this game mm-hmm. uh, OG was four of 14 on third down guys for 29 percent while Eastwood was one for nine on third down, which is eleven wow. percent. Wow. So um that's big time that's, defensive that, stops yeah. there to kind of which is kind of the story of the game. Uh Peyton Coleman for OG, uh nineteen of thirty four through the air, two hundred and forty five yards and three touchdowns. Grant Schrader, a guy we talked about a lot during basketball season, uh, nine receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Eastwood, 203 yards on, uh, through the air, 114 on the ground. Uh, so pretty balanced offense there. Uh, Eastwood just able to do enough plays there at the end to be able to come away with that win, guys. Yep. So, and like I said earlier, they'll be traveling over to Kenton for their game, for their league opener. We got the Shawnee uh, hosting the Lima Central Catholic Thunderbirds uh, losing 42-14 there, Phil, and I think we were expecting that to happen there. Yeah, this was a game I think we all kind of just assumed was going to go this way. Uh, just, you know, Shawnee, just not there yet. Lima Central Catholic, a, a Final Four team from a year ago, bringing back a lot of pieces. So Lima Central Catholic's going to be tough in their own rights in that division this year. So. Yeah, Thursday game. 
Um, I think it was. Yes, it was. It was oh. indeed a Thursday game, and that's that was a mistake on my end because I thought they were playing Friday. I didn't look at the so dates. Did I. That's that's my fault. So did I. I guess we're all fired now. Probably all right. <laughs> so, all right, then we head on over. Oh yeah, and Shawnee will be opening their league play, hosting the Elida Bulldogs. Mm. Uh, we head on over to Cougar Nation. The Van Wert Cougars host, uh, traveling over to the Bryant Golden Bears, uh, beating them 47-21, Phil. Yeah, an opening uh, opening game there for the new facility at Bryant. I heard it's absolutely spectacular, just beautiful to check out. Um, a game that Van Wert, uh, both teams kind of started off a little bit slow. Uh, a, te- a game that Van Wert kind of, I think, used a little bit of some of that experience that they have uh, to pull away at the end. Um, just an absolutely fantastic ball game from the quarterbacks for both of these squads. Uh, for Van Wert, Brylan Parker, first-year quarterback at the helm, obviously talked about it in the preseason a little bit, how he was going to take the change from running back to quarterback this year. 17 of 26 through the air for 217 yards and four touchdowns. Also added 16 carries for 122 yards. Keldon Bill had 15 carries for 76 yards. Connor Campbell on the outside, the number one target there for Parker. He had seven receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Gage Stamen and uh, had two interceptions, and Keaton Sudith had seven tackles to lead Van Wert. Um, on the other side for Brian, Jace Kepler had 14 carries for 94 yards and three touchdowns. He was also 11 of 26 through the air for 110 yards. Uh, so just, you know, 11 of 26, not very efficient. Uh, so struggled to complete some passes, I think, when they needed to to be able to move the ball. Uh, and then Sam Harold had 11 carries for 50 yards. So uh, Van Wert doing a nice job defensively, not really letting Harold get going there. And uh, Kepler obviously had a lot on his shoulders, but he had a really nice game, just uh, a little bit too much Van Wert there. Um, twice in this game, um, Brian had stopped Van Wert, got the ball, drove and got a touchdown, and Van Wert scored on the ensuing kickoff. Uh, one of them was 84 yards for a touchdown. The other one was 76 yards for a touchdown. So um, Brian getting a dose of their own medicine, if you will. Uh, normally the team that kind of does that punt return, kick return stuff. I know it's happened to Liberty Center over the years. Um, one too many times. And uh, uh, so give credit to Van Wert. You know, you give up those touchdowns. You come back, big kickoff returns that kind of take too, away the momentum that they just big. earned. Two big, uh, big play sparks there that I would say probably really uh, took the damper out of Brian's momentum that they wanted. Uh, Brian competed, though, in the first half. This was a really good game for the first half. I, I thought it would be. I thought Van Wert would pull away in the second half. Um, they just have they just have so many guys out there that are skill guys and um, that can do so many things. And, you know, they're going to be – they're going to be a good football team, I think. And they're we look gonna, forward to they're, watching them in the future. And I, I'm excited to go see them in week five. And uh, like I said earlier, they will be hosting Lima Bath uh, this coming Friday. We head on over to our game of the week. Uh, the Wapak Redskins playing against the defending Division Six state champion, the Marion Local Flyers. And Phil, this game did not disappoint. No, it didn't at all. Uh, a game of the week for sure. Um, a game there where it seemed like it seemed like uh, Wapakoneta had kind of had a stranglehold for a little while there. Wapakoneta was able to get a touchdown, and then um, Marion Local had a couple of tough penalties, 
put them deep in their own territory. Had a, a block punt for a safety. Uh, so Wabakaneta was able to get a safety there. I'm they got a field goal. Here. So um, they're they're very good. To, they're very good on the special teams, um, and they make those plays count when they can. Um, Caleb Moyer had a really nice game for Wapakoneta, which we thought they were going to be pretty good offensively. Uh, Marion Local lost a lot, a ton of talent on defense. Uh, so Wapa tried to exploit some of those newer players, and they were able to do a really nice job with that. Had Marion Local on the ropes. Um, and then Marion Local was able to get a touchdown, executed a perfect onside kick with under three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, um, losing at the time. Uh, well, they would have been down by two-point conversion it would have been 26-21 at the time they scored to make it 26-21 got the two-point conversion and then with a minute and five seconds left on a fourth and goal from the 12 yard line uh, Marion Local was able to throw a touchdown pass uh, to kind of seal that win um, able to stop Wapakoneta on the ensuing drive uh, Justin Kanoff in his first varsity start for Marion Local was 13 to 22 for 249 yards um, two touchdowns uh, you know, good game there, especially for a kid who's just starting. They had 376 total yards of offense. So Wapakoneta did a pretty pretty solid job as far as that goes defensively. Um, Marion Local just, just knows how to win. Uh, when you talk about getting the touchdown, getting the two-point conversion uh, there, could have taken the extra point. You go up 28-26. Wapa already made one field goal in the game. Just an outstanding coaching call there to go for two, uh, and he virtually went untouched to, to be able to get that two-point conversion. And I think you you get a touchdown, that's a morale killer, guys. But then you get the two, and that's the knife in the chest, and I just don't think Wapa was able to recover to get going on that last drive. Yeah, and I believe they had only one minute to one minute left in the game. To, it was just under a minute, yep. To uh, be able to get a drive cooking, and fortunately Wapa did not wasn't able to pull out the – Pull out the miracle there, and as as earlier, they travel over to Defiance uh, for their league opener. So now we head on over to the NWAL, the Archibald Blue Streaks traveling over to Comet Country, the Genoa Comets. Genoa, Genoa, and the uh, Blue Streaks winning twenty four fourteen over the Comets. Um, yeah, Genoa started this game uh, a big touchdown. Uh, up seven nothing, and then Archibald scored twenty four unanswered points with three rushing touchdowns in the second quarter. Um, Jack Hurst had two of them. Um, Lucas Dominic, uh, a name that you're going to become very accustomed to hearing for them this year, uh, had fifteen carries for eighty nine yards. He was also their leading pass catcher. Uh, Cade Brenner, twenty one of twenty nine through the air for two hundred thirty six yards and an interception. Um, Lane Ramirez uh, booted through a thirty two yard field goal for Archibald. So. Uh, able to bounce back after a rough start and uh, get those 24 unanswered points. Uh, a good good win for Archibald. You go on the road at Genoa, a very tough place to play uh, and get a really big win. Now you turn around and you host St. Henry next week, who's also, also coming off of a really nice win yeah, and probably seeking a little bit of revenge against Archibald from last season's loss. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, it's going to be This St. Henry team is not going to be the same one that the Blue Streaks played with last year. Uh, running away with them last year, and they were, I believe they were, St. Henry was down last year, I believe, to their standard, to max standards, and so. Uh, I think they were four and six last year. Okay. Yeah. And so, it's going to be very, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very interesting game, Phil, so we'll, we'll look forward to seeing that. We had the Delta Panthers hosting the Ayersville Pilots. They're lo- losing 27-7 to over to the Pilots. 
This game, um, this game went a lot like I thought it would. It was going to be a grounded out, um, physical ball game. This is what we expected out of these two teams, especially um, after the way the game went last year. Uh, this is just a really interesting stat um, that I thought was pretty cool. Um, 237 yards on 44 carries for Ayersville. Delta had 33 rushes for 63 yards. Wow. And that's the story of the game, guys. Um, you know, Ayersville only with 39 yards passing, didn't really have to throw it, uh, was able to run it on the ground. Torn Kneven, a, a kid that uh, Coach had mentioned in your interview, Isaiah, mm-hmm. about a kid that was going to be special, wore the Zeke Elliott half-cut jersey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. I'm going to tell you that he was running a lot like Zeke Elliott against Delta on Friday night because he had 30 carries for 148 yards and three scores. Um, not to mention he also had 15 tackles defensively. Brady Clark also had 15 tackles for Ayersville. Those two kids are going to anchor that defense and a defense that we think is going to be very good this year, not to mention with some of the running game that they have with the Kenevan kid. Um, Justin Rupel had eight carries for 20 yards. Leonard Moot had 12 carries for 36 yards. Justin Rupel was four of 10 through the air and a touchdown for Delta. So um, Delta likes to run it out, obviously unable to do that. And we're had a really tough time struggling to move the ball. Um, Harrisville with that line, guys. There, we know yeah, what they want to do. They want to be line. physical and they want to get downhill, uh, and they were able to do that against Delta on Friday night. Yeah, so it's gonna be very, it's gonna be a fun year to follow the Pilots, and uh, Delta will be traveling over to Fairview for their Week Two matchup, and the Pilots will uh, be seeking revenge after their playoff loss against Jefferson last year. The revenge tour for Harrisville to start yeah. off the first two games Absolutely. of the season there. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how the how that plays out. We got the ever we travel on over to the Evergreen Vikings hosting the Elmwood Royals and Phil. We like we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the episode, this game I don't think any of us were expecting this to happen. No, you know we knew that Elmwood had lost a lot to graduation. Um, Hunter Hunter Vakulik was sixteen to twenty five for Evergreen through the air for one hundred ninety one yards and four scores. Riley Dunbar five catches for eighty seven yards and two touchdowns. Um, Alex Mossing booted together a 40-yard field goal um, for Evergreen, and Riley Dunbar also added eight tackles defensively. Evergreen's a team that has always tried to use its athleticism uh, to its advantage. They've always been a very fast team. Uh, Now they have a a quarterback who's a little bit dual threat, can kind of do a little bit of everything. They have a couple of nice offensive linemen uh, who can provide him with some time. Uh, They had a couple other receivers that had touchdowns as well, so they have multiple targets. Colton Robertson is one of them, a guy that we talked a lot during baseball. Kate is a really nice leadoff hitter. Now he's making noise in the reception game. Watch out for Evergreen, Cade. You know they have a t- they have an interesting off league schedule, and then they could be really interesting to start their league play. I was just about to ask you guys: Do you think Evergreen, a team that's somewhat supposed to be on the bottom, can upset an WL team? It's I say it's possible. I think they'd be able to pull it off, but we'll see. We'll see as the weeks progress going into the league play we, because we still got two weeks still Dude. of Evergreen's off league schedule that involves Ottawa Hills and Rossford. So those two teams, it's going to be very interesting to see how Evergreen trans, uh, plays those two games. And then once we get to league play, uh, we'll find out. Because mo- majority of the time teams find their identity or find out where they're at by week two and week three. Yeah, and I mean, I said that, uh, I said that Delta 
and Brian would probably upset a top-tier NWOAL team this year, but I would not be surprised if Evergreen was able to do that with some of the athleticism that they have to be able to take the top off of some defenses if they have time to throw the ball. Absolutely. Like that non-conference schedule, for sure. Yeah, and like I said, uh, Evergreen will be hosting the Ottawa Hills Green Bears uh, this coming Friday. Uh, we got the Patrick Henry Patriots traveling over to Hicksville, and this was a very easy game to call, Phil. Uh, 39-0 win for the Patriots. Yeah, you know, it was kind of an in-your-store type thing. Biggest stat of the night for me, PH defense smothering. Uh, Hicksville had 22 carries for 21 yards. Yep. Ooh, on average, was that zero point that's, something? That's less than a yard per carry. Yep. Um, George Green for Edgerton had six carries. Edgerton, for, Hicks, Hicksville, Hicksville. Hicksville, excuse me. George Green had six carries for 23 yards. They only had 21 yards rushing. You have to count in the net yards. That's what we're talking about here. So that's if you're confused, that's where you're hearing that at. Garrett Turnbull, 10 of 18 through the air for 95 yards and an interception for Hicksville. Uh, you turn around and look at the stats for Patrick Henry. Um, you know, they talked about opening up the running game. They wanted to be dominant on the running game. They did just that. Houston Miranda, 17 carries, 163 yards, two scores. Nash Meyer, 9 of 13 through the air for 221 yards and three scores. Also threw an interception. Um, four different receivers for Patrick Henry get touchdowns. Their main man, five catches, 141 yards and a touchdown for Landon Johnson. So, um, Obviously, Landon's going to get big plays. He's going to get a lot of attention. Uh, so when they get down to the red zone, Nash does a great job not zeroing in on Landon Johnson. I believe Thomas Smith had a 22-yard reception for a touchdown. I can't remember the other kid's name off the top of my head that had the other catch. But um, when you're spreading it out like that and you're able to do some things, Cade, now you look at them. They got the running game going again. Patrick Henry is looking to be pretty scary this year. It's very scary. I think one of our interviews, Bill Wilson, talked about his offensive line, how this is the biggest and the fastest offensive line he's had in 31 years of coaching. That's scary. Yeah, so with Coach Jai's mind, you best better right? he's cooking up a lot of plays that will play into, his, into the advantage, and it's going to be very hard to uh, beat these Patriots. So, and like I said earlier, the Patriots will be hosting the Raiders, and it's going to be that's going to be a, that's going to be a heck of a game to it's watch. Be a barn burner for it's sure. It's going to be really fun to watch. And we get to our second to last game, the Wasion. Already went over it. Oh, Wasion. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yep, thank you. And then our final game, the Liberty Center Tigers playing against the Tenora Rams, uh, winning 35-14. Phil, the first half was very interesting. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Liberty was trying to do some different things as well. Um, you know, and I thought they were kind of doing a nice job trying not to give Tenora too many zeroed-in looks. Uh, we're doing some things. Uh, I love the first play call of the game, a uh, play-action pass. Uh, to, to look like Tenora had kind of stacked the box a little bit to yeah. play the run, uh, thinking that Liberty Center would start out the game with a run, which like not do. a horrible game plan. <laughs> not um, uh, But uh, just a nice play-action fake, something Ooh. that, you know, you – and I'm just going to touch on this really quick. Something that you can talk about our line and our downfield blocking and our running back blocking for hours and hours and hours, uh, but we don't give enough credit to the ball fakes that occur in the backfield uh, between some of these running backs. And Grady does an absolutely amazing job with his ball fakes, um, stalling out the fakes, showing the ball, which is a huge part of ball fakes. Uh, you're not going to – it's just like in basketball. If you don't show the ball – 
there, there's no fake to go after. So he does a really nice job of drawing out those fakes, which I think led to Colton Chambers being so wide open and was able to get that 65-yard touchdown pass on the very first play from scrimmage, uh, which I thought would really kind of set the tone. But, you know, credit Sonora because they came back right away and threw a 45-yard pass on their first play Don't from scrimmage. Don't forget to mention so. on, that, on the first drive on the extra point on Landon Amstutz's I don't know how oh, the yeah. heck he – I don't know how he did that. Because he throws 85 miles an hour? Fair point. Fair point. That was – but let's just touch on that. That's like – how – like – Well, I think the right biggest there. thing on that point is Landon's been around football for 197 years. And <laughs> yeah. he's just so, so smart. And he never panicked in that situation. No. Um, he never got a clean, a clean hold on the snap. It wasn't a great snap. It was a little bit low. Obviously, Landon Cruz getting some of his feet wet on those situations – he did a great job to pick it up, rolled out to his right, waited for some things to develop, never panicked, never panicked. Last second, turn and look, and Jackson Bartels was wide open out there. And, you know, they can't return it. So why not throw it up there? I think that is an absolutely brilliant play by Amstutz to just say, hey, he can't return it anyway. Let's throw it up there and see if we can come down with a catch. And um, that's exactly what happened. Bartels was able to get his hands under it and get the two-point conversion. Yep. And so then after that, Tenora came back, punch, punching back, and uh, it, it, they, it was a very solid drive. Yeah, the Graziani-Ackerman uh, connection this year could be pretty scary if, if uh, Tenora can develop some kind of running game. I think that was their Achilles here on heel on Friday night. Uh, Tenora, um, uh, I believe, only had uh, 30 yards rushing. May, oh, excuse me, 43 yards rushing total. Um, 171 total yards, 43 yards on the ground. Uh, Grady Gusweiler was a big part of that, who had 12 carries for 28 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the first drive, Tenora responded very well. Grady Gusweiler was able to get over the pile there for the touchdown on that one. Um, you know, Liberty Center came back. It was kind of exchanging punts, and then Tenora got a big drive, big play, where they were able to get a 12-yard scamper from Gusweiler for a touchdown virtually untouched. Great blocking there from Tenora. Um, and then that was kind of where the tide turned. I think Liberty Center kind of said, hey, guys, we're going to, you know, they're here to play football. We're not just going to be able to roll over them. And uh, that's when I think they started getting a little bit physical and uh, they were able to uh, to take the lead there. And then in the second half, the big three and out on Tenora's first possession, I think that was probably easily the biggest key of the entire game. Let's get that three and out, get our offense back on the field and score exactly how they drew it up exactly what happened and i think that's kind of where the momentum shift was really evident at and then depth kate as you mentioned earlier depth just really took over there for the tigers yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to and also it's, i find it kind of hilarious that uh, uh, tenora had three guys blocking bockham and it, he still almost got the sack and that opened up things for a lot of guys because Xander Zyder had a terrific yes, football game on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, kind of that other guy in the middle there. You know you know Seth Navarre and you know Landon Bachelman are going to draw some attention. And Xander Zyder took full opportunities of his plays because he was hitting hard on the inside of that line of scrimmage, guys. And, and that's where the game was decided at immediately in the second half as Tenora didn't have the time to throw. Yeah. Graziani was on the move. He, was just, he just looked uncomfortable. Real quick, Cade, before you start chime in, 6 of 20 two for 128 yards for Graziani. Yeah. I mean, Graziani took over a little bit last year, quarterback happy for the season because Gavin Ecker got hurt, especially a new quarterback and a new system. It's going to take some time to really understand the reads, especially. He's got a big arm. He really does. I just wish sometimes he'd take what the defense gives you instead of trying to push the ball down the field. 
Like, take the five yards. You don't have to make a home run play. Yeah, and at one time he tried to do that, and, you know, Landon Cruz, with the experience that he has safety, was able to get one of those interceptions, and which led to a touchdown run, a 40-yard touchdown yeah. run from his brother Trenton Cruz. And, and, you know, when you give Liberty Center opportunities, they usually do a pretty good job of, of pouncing on them. Let's give um, a couple other stats here for the Tigers. Grady Miller finished the game 4 of 7 for 93 yards and a touchdown. Uh, CK, my guy Colton Cruz, sorry, I'll, I'll nickname it first and then give you their actual names because I, I read last night there's five Landons on our football team, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, Colton Cruz, 12 carries for 79 yards and a touchdown, uh, which is about 6.1 yards per carry. And then TK, his brother Trenton Cruz, with eight carries for 70 yards and two scores, which is 8.25 yards per carry. Colton Chambers, four receptions, 93 yards and a touchdown. He was the only Tiger that caught a pass. Um, Landon Cruz did ran a really nice route over the middle, just overthrown, just a hair on that ball. Great route. That's a, that's a completion in two games and three games. Obviously going to get take some time with the timing of those routes and development. So liked what I saw um, with the routes and the passing game. Obviously, I think Grady probably had a little bit of jitters as well, but I think we saw on one play at a 21-yard run that he has the ability to do those play fakes when you think he can't run, and he, you know, and that's going to think is going to be a play where Coach Moeller is going to want to keep that one tucked in his back pocket somewhere. Absolutely, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun season as uh, as Grady develops and how these Tigers go. Uh, Trenton Cruz seven tackles, Colton Cruz with five tackles, and Xander Zider with five tackles. Wow. All right, and the Tigers will get to travel down to their arch rival down 24 playing the Napoleon Wildcats and uh, that's one of the games that we're going to be keeping an eye on Phil it's going to be it's going to be fun um, real quick uh, and, well, we did do it also I forgot to mention and the Tenora Rams will be traveling over to Atsego for their week two matchup both teams looking for a really big win that, that should be a that should be a good one guys um, real quick uh we do have a post-game interview with Landon Cruz and Colton Chambers. Um, we were right in the midst of a mosh pit of fans and parents and students, um, so it is very loud. Um, we will do better next week to kind of try to get away from some of that stuff. We wanted it to be authentic. We didn't realize it would be this quite as loud as what it was, but yeah. um, still really special, really cool for us to go down there and, and talk to these guys after the game. Uh, you know, Isaiah, I thought it was really special to be able to do that. Yeah, so we look for and once we play this, uh, I'll mention it afterwards. Go ahead. So here is our interview with uh, the, 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 the Tiger players here. <laughs> the Tiger players. <laughs> of the victorious Liberty Center Tigers after an impressive 35-14 win on the road against Sonora. Uh, Landon, we'll start with you. Uh, obviously, first game, had some first jitters. Uh, talk about how things went out there and how you guys kind of settled down and took care of business in the second half. I think everyone was a little nervous in the first game of the year. Second half, obviously, came out a lot better. Colton, obviously, heck of a way to start the game. You get that first pass there. You see a whole lot of green pasture in front of you. Take us through that play, how, how it kind of happened. Obviously, I think when you turned, you are kind of surprised that there was nobody there to try to tackle you. Just run us through that play a little bit and how that kind of set the tone for you guys in the game. You know, the line did a great job on blocking. Grady threw a great ball. All I had to do was catch and run. I mean, that set the tone, and then we came out fast. Came out a little slower, and then we had to pick it up Talk about together, each of you, uh, obviously one of you guys can go into the other one. Talk about how you guys kind of anchored the defense a little bit. Struggled in the first half, maybe a little bit against the pass, more than what you guys would have wanted. Um, saw the emotions come out in there a little bit with you, Landon, getting your guys fired up, Colton being a leader out there. 
Wayne, we'll start with you. Talk about how you guys, this group, kind of solidified the deal there in the second half. Whether it was wearing them down or maybe you guys just found some different keys, what was the key for you guys? Yeah, I think in the first half we were all a little nervous. You know, first game, DBs, a lot of young DBs. You know, it's their first start. So I think we just had to settle in. And then after that, it was just it was a mind thing. Yeah, I think we were a little jumpy in the first half. But uh, second half, we got back to our fundamentals, started doing what we were doing in practice. All right, you guys got a big one coming up next week. Obviously, Henry County rival, you talk about Napoleon. Um, obviously, want to enjoy this one. Colton, what are some of the things that you guys are going to have to do to get the job done next Friday night? I think we're going to have to tackle an open field well and cover well again. Our line's going to have to put on a great pressure again. Laying in some of the things that the Liberty Center Tigers have to do to win next week against the Friday. I think we got to get out to a faster start. I know we were a little slow tonight, but hopefully, since we got the first game out of the way, we'll have a faster start next week. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. Colton, congratulations on the victory tonight. Landon, congratulations on the victory tonight. Good luck, Colton. And ladies and gentlemen, we uh, that for the post-game interviews and all that with Landon Cruz and Colton Chambers, uh, we thank those two gentlemen for taking time after the game for interviews and all that. And we do plan on doing this uh, throughout the season. And uh, we really look forward to doing that, Phil. And we really like doing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And uh, the guys were really good as well with those. Uh, they, they were very business-like answers. And, you know, I think Colton Chambers made a good point. It was just about getting back to fundamentals and doing the mm -hmm. things that they do well. So, Yep. So we go on over to uh, our week two. Uh, these games we're keeping an eye, keeping our eyes on. Uh, we're going to start off with our game of the week here. Uh, like that. Sorry. Don't spoil it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Don't spoil it. it. I'm sorry. Uh, first one, we got AW going against St. John's Jesuit hosting that game. It's going to be uh, go coming off an overtime game last year, Phil. It's going to be fun. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting game to keep an eye on. Both teams coming off week one losses. Both teams looking to come back and right the ship in week two. Should be really interesting, Cade. What do you think? <laughs> Probably a good game, right? It's going to be a really good game. I just I don't feel implied to talk about them yet because I didn't do the research. Okay. So I don't I don't want to I don't want to sound your pink slip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, the next game that we have our eyes on is Perrysburg at Marysville, and Marysville is, no, is very well known to be a very tough team, Phil. Yeah, but you know, as Cade kind of mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode, Perrysburg just always finds a way to reload and uh, to be physical. I look for Perrysburg's offensive line to make a statement here. They're going to have to protect the Tackett's kid, and uh, obviously Fennekin on the outside, they're going to have to make some, some big plays and uh, carry some momentum over for Perrysburg. Absolutely. And uh, then the other game we got is the Tenora Rams traveling over to a new foe of theirs that they added to the schedule, the Otsego Knights that are both coming off uh, some bat, some I would say some pretty not so good loss, uh, not very good losses they wanted to start off their season. Some tough losses for sure. Uh, you know, Otsego, tons of talent over there. Um, Tenora, very, very athletic in their own right. Otsego's excited to play at home. Uh, tough ask. Uh, for Tenora to go on the road at Otsego, a very tough place to play against a very good, skilled team. Uh, this will be a big game for either of these teams. Big as far as, points, too. As, literally just took the word right out of my mouth. As far as playoff implications goes, Otsego Division 5, Tenora moving back to Division 6 this year. Uh, both of these teams need this out-of-conference win for, for huge points. I look through Tenora and Otsego game to be very, very physical. Two kids that love to hit. But the only thing I wonder is where are Tenora and Otsego kids mentally? Yes. Sometimes losing to your to your backyard rival, the teams that you consider, sometimes that takes you down a little bit. So I want to see how both these coaches just get their kids refocused, ready for another week. Absolutely. And these are both first-year coaches, correct? correct? No, Otsego's no. uh, three or four-year. Three or four-year, yeah. okay. 
And then we had uh, one that I, I was considered very interesting, the Wapak Redskins traveling over to our Rising Defiance team coming off a big win against their River Rock rivalry. That's at home for Defiance? Yes. Um, Wapak with a very long bus ride. I actually just drove by Wapakoneta last night coming home from my brother, so I know the distance that they're going to have to try for that game. A long bus ride coming off of a very lo- uh, a tough loss. Um, I would not want to be playing Wapakoneta this week, I tell you. I I would not want to play Wapakoneta. Um, they're they're going to be fired up and ready to come out and play, and and I think it's going to be tough a tough ask for defiance. But um, coming off of a very emotional morale high win against Napoleon, uh, maybe just exactly what they need to propel them the distance to get that morale high and uh, to be able to carry that win to, uh, against Wapakoneta. Another physical WBO game. Want to love to see it. I'm curious to see how defiance game plans into this i think coach coop can get it done and we're gonna see it for nine weeks guys yeah. this wbl schedule is physical brutal mm-hmm. and tough and we're gonna see it for nine weeks there's gonna be at least two or three games where we're like eh eh, eh. it's gonna come up to a coin toss this game's on the list for sure for defiance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh next we have wasion traveling over to bellevue this is going to be a good game here i believe this is probably my favorite rivalry in the area that's not in the area. Wasion and Bellevue always find a way to meet in the playoffs. I've watched these playoff games. I've seen three of them where they've played each other. They've played in the regular season a few times. I remember a couple years ago, the kid from uh, Wasion had three touchdowns in the, uh, had like 190 yards and three touchdowns on four catches. I mean, it was it was remarkable, and Wasion was really, really good that year. Um, ended up losing, I think, in the third round. I can't remember who it was to. I'll get that information for you because I hate not having a reference when I say this stuff, even though I know I'm right. But um, uh, Wasion, uh, interesting game, interesting team. Will they be physical enough is my question. They're going to be athletic enough. I don't know if they're going to be able to be physical enough. Should be a pretty interesting game. You know, uh, tough tough ask there for Wasion. Should be, should be interesting. Very Big Phil hit it. That's my question too. Is Wasion physical enough? Are they too one dimensional? Would be my question. They Are they one, going they to were be a little able? bit one dimensional last year? Yeah. Um. Hopefully, uh, they got. They're going to be able to establish a little, uh, a little bit more of a ground game, something similar to what Coach I what's been talking about with his Patriots. I think that was a focal point for Wasion as well mm-hmm. last week against Fairview was to develop a little bit more of a running game, and I think you saw that with uh, some of the kids that they had running the ball. All right, so then we got the Raiders traveling over to uh, the place they like to call Patriot Place, the Patrick Henry Patriots. Uh, this game is going to be very a very physical battle. You know, I'm looking I'm looking forward to this one because I just think that I just think that these two teams have so much to prove to people this year, um, especially to the opposing team they're playing themselves. Um, Fairview's wanting to chomp at the bit, or excuse Wayne me, Wayne Trace is chomping at the bit to try to get back at this, uh, to ba- get back at this team, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun game, and you know, if we weren't playing Henry County rivalry, I might go, might say, hey, let's go check that one out. But uh, it's going to be a pretty good game over there at Hamler. Statement game for Patch for Wayne Trace if they can get this win. This is a close one last year that they lost. They were maybe just a couple plays away from actually winning. So. I want to see how Kyle Stowers is going to act against that Patriot defense. Absolutely. And then we have uh, the backyard rivalry, the Napoleon Wildcats hosting the Liberty Center Tigers. And I'm expecting this game to be going to be very – it's going to be very physical, I believe, Phil. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of games on our week two are going to be those physical grind-em-out type games. I think we're going to see a little bit more low scoring here in, in, in week two than what we saw in week one. 
um, especially when you're talking about the Central Catholic Whitmer game. I think that's going to be an interesting game as well, uh, probably on our, our game, one of the games to watch as well. Yep, and our game of the week, we have the Whitmer Panthers play, uh, hosting against the defending Division II state champions, the Central Catholic Fighting Irish. And uh, Whitmer coming off uh, coming off a loss, and Central Catholic coming off a, a win against Finley. It's going to – Phil, this is going to be a very interesting game. Two very high-powered teams going against each other. Yeah, and a lot of Division One recruits on the field for both sides, uh, for both teams. So uh, definitely one of the games that you're going to want to check out if you're not rooting for another team in the area. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh – uh, like to give Phil, I believe we got some shout outs to give out here. Yeah, shout out to AB Perfectionist Painting and Knock It Out Drywall with Awesome Purdue and the guys. Call 419 906 1627. Um, free quotes, uh, quality painting made easy. Um, great drywall crew as well. Uh, Meyer Baden Hop Insurance, servicing the people since 1933. And uh, they've also been proud, proud sponsors of uh, Henry County Sports uh, for a really long time. Uh, shout out to. Uh, Dorian Hooker with Pro Day Performance and Jordan Berdu, uh, tra uh training several uh, athletes throughout the area, and they are phenomenal at what they do there. Three Chord with Shane Hollenball. Sign it, sew it, screen it, print it. KK Collision with uh, Kyle Kern. Amazing stuff that they do over there. SWAT and Welding with Norm Zeiter providing uh, helping out athletics throughout the area over the years. And they also provide excellent fabrication services. Uh, shout out to our favorite family of the area, the Snyder family of Tiger Den Dairy Bar. And, every, and don't forget, folks, every time wherever you go there, ask for a Duke Burger. And make sure you mention Except us, too. Sundays. That way he might get a little upset at us, too. I have a little laugh about it. <laughs> and Chambers Control with Kurt Chambers, solar panels, and very fancy technology. I would say that makes that makes me feel stupid sometimes. Most times, especially me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and also a big shout-out to LC Tiger Sports Live for the use of the studio and equipment. Oh, shoot. We can't we can't forget the unsung hero, Mr. Fielgel himself, Joshua Martin. So, with that being said... I'm your host, Isaiah Markle. I'm your co-host, The Snowman. And just remember that stats are cool. Indeed they are. And I am the captain, Captain Cade Man. And this is Endzone Militia.